0: Welcome to the USU Career Studio podcast that helps you navigate your career path. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure to tell your friends and family all about it. Subscribe to our podcast on Apple, Spotify, YouTube, or anywhere else you listen to get access to our newest content. Thanks for joining us for our Friday face-to-face episode. I'm Marissa Armitstead, your host, and I am so excited to welcome alum Spencer Vance to the show. Welcome, Spencer.
1: Thank you. Great to be here.
0: Spencer is an HR business partner supporting global production and logistics for doTERRA International. Spencer is a graduate from the MHR program here at the John M. Huntsman School of Business and was awarded the HR professional of the year by SHRM for the chaotic year of 2020. Spencer helps individuals learn to adjust um, in changing environments while being true to their personal values. So Spencer, holy cow, so excited to have you. We had a conversation months ago about having you on the show, and here we are um, finally getting around to it. But I am so excited um, to get some experience from I mean, You just have such great experience in the HR realm, and a lot of our business students are really interested in this field. So one, very excited to hear about that that background. Two, I also would actually like to start the conversation by going back in time a little bit. Um, your fun fact is that you actually earned a degree in art and design, which is perhaps not the first degree someone might think of as a HR professional. So I'd love to have you take us back and kind of walk us through your educational like timeline, if you will, and how that eventually led to human resources.
1: Yeah. And that's a great question because it, it does seem to be a, a far cry different from being in the business world. Uh, One thing that I would say, though, is that being multidisciplinary and having a a broad exposure to different experiences uh, is definitely not a disadvantage. Having the ability to uh, incorporate different skill sets that you've learned in different areas of life make you a more creative problem solver and can be an awesome advantage.
0: I totally agree. And I actually would love to dig a little bit deeper there. When you say interdisciplinary, like what, like, can you give us an example of a time when maybe you've kind of pulled from some of those more like creative skills, but in the workplace?
1: Definitely. And actually, that was something that that came up a lot in job interviews as I was interviewing for some of my first roles in the HR field, uh, I would get that question. So you have an art degree and now you're in HR. Why the change? And I would explain that uh, a lot of the skill sets that I used in uh, art and design were very applicable in the business world. I would be given you know, a specific amount of time to accomplish a task. I'd have a finite number of resources. I would have to be my own project manager. I would have to come up with a creative solution to a problem using those resources that were allotted to me. Um, Sometimes in the art world, I would do collaboration pieces where I was working with other artists and having the ability to communicate with someone that saw things differently with me and being able to arrive at a solution that worked well for both of us. Those were all skills that I, I use on a daily basis.
0: Yes. Yes. That's so interesting. Okay. So, and with that in mind, take us through, let's see, like you just graduated from with your undergraduate degrees. What happens next? Like what, what is the first kind of step that you take after that?
1: So uh, first of all, you breathe because <laughs> it, it can be a little bit intimidating uh, having that realization that, okay, I don't do homework anymore. Now I need to do work, work to make money. And, uh, there, I don't really have any excuses for not doing anything else. Um, and for, I think a lot of us too, we have, um, we we have a, a drive or a situation that kind of forces us into feeling an urgency to get another job. Um, or your first job if you weren't working in college. Um, and so I would say networking is something that if you haven't been doing already, it's a great, a great time to be doing that. Hopefully you've already started in college, but build out a network, um, spend time connecting with communities or organizations that are related to where you want to be in your career. Uh, Try to volunteer and spend time in areas where you're going to be able to showcase some of your skills. Uh, conferences, uh, speaking, any any type of opportunity to uh, build that network and showcase your skills is a great uh, a great thing to be spending your time on. But also, just getting a lot of uh, job applications out there and. When you do that, you don't want to go pure quantity. You do want to get a balance of quality, where you're using that networking that that you've been doing and connecting with people uh, to ask them, okay, how did you land your first job, or how did you get in with this company that I'm interested in being at, and then applying for that job, you want to reference the job description, try to find some some keywords to incorporate into your resume you want to tailor that that file name to include the name of the company where you're applying make it a pdf and uh then reach out to those connections after you have already had a conversation with them not about a job and say hey just so you know i just applied at this company that i that you work at i'm really interested i think it's a great fit for my values do you know someone that i could connect with to maybe get a good word put in for me um just doing the little things like that are going to do a lot to get your foot in the door
0: um you're a career coach like i am so impressed like everything that you have just described especially as you're kind of launching your your career Yes, to all of those things. Um, I really love that you focused in on networking, which is such a key piece. And I'm curious from your your perspective, especially kind of that recent grad as, as you're thinking back to those years, did you did you feel some anxiety around networking? Cause I know some students, it feels like a very it it needs to be a very professional setting where one is networking. What was your experience with like those first kind of times that you tried to network. Does that make sense?
1: <laughs> yeah. So my my first times networking were on LinkedIn. I was reaching out to people that were in jobs where I saw myself in three to five years. And I was just asking for 10 to 15 minutes of their time to ask them a few questions about how they got to where they are and just letting them know what my intention was, I wanted to learn from them. Um, and then, of course, if there was anything that I could do to be of help to them, I wanted to be a productive member of their network.
0: I love that. And I love, I think this is such an important concept that if if you are truly just trying to build your network and and learn from people, um, that you make that clear in the conversation. Because as soon as we flip the switch and say, and do you have any jobs? you're kind of asking that person to, to take on a different role right now. They're, Oh, I, am I considering them as an applicant? Um, and so it's an, a really interesting point to make that um, as you are, especially just starting to network and build some of those bridges, maybe uh, not necessarily avoiding, um, but really focusing the conversation on what can I learn? And I love what you added of what can I add? Like, is there anything I can do now? And again, that, that gives the employer, space if, because they might, they might say, oh, well, you know, actually we just had this internship opportunity open up and then they're extending it to you versus you, you know, demanding, well, do you have any jobs or we a right, totally different scenario? Yeah. So I love the contrast that you're building there. I think that's a really, really helpful point. Um, Okay. I would love to transition into talking a little bit more about human resources. This is, again, a very popular major, especially at my my Salt Lake and Orem campuses or centers, I should say. Um, And I'm really curious. One of the questions that I have is, and maybe you can correct me if I'm wrong here, but I'm really curious because I see HR as kind of an umbrella. Like There are a lot of different areas within HR that one might actually go into. So one, tell me if that analogy of umbrella makes sense for the term human resources, and then if that is correct, maybe like dive in a little bit and talk to us about some of the different areas or niches of HR that exist.
1: Yeah, and I appreciate that you say that because HR certainly is a broad and fascinating field with a lot of different tracks that you could go down. When it comes to different students and where they're in a major that maybe isn't HR and they're thinking, you know, is HR something that could work for me? Um, I would say if you're in anything related to computer science, statistics, data analytics, business management, marketing, communications, uh, anything in the social sciences, law, education, even industrial health or, or public health. Um, and finance. Those are all great uh, careers that could easily dovetail nicely with HR. Uh, Some of those roles might look like an HR uh, analyst, an HRIS administrator, uh, maybe a business partner like myself, uh, perhaps leadership, HR director. There's definitely uh, entry-level roles that can be a great way to get your foot in the door, like Payroll administrator, benefits administrator, talent acquisition coordinator. Um, But then there are also some new and emerging roles like the director of employee experience, uh, reputation management consultants, um, something that operates at a broader scale that people don't typically think of when they think HR, might be organizational and behavior consultants. Um, Then there's also of course, like the, the really straight laced legal side of things, if you want to be a corporate attorney. Um, and then for those that like more of the hands-on people coaching side of things, there's, you know, learning and development. Um, and yeah, for our numbers people, there's all of those computer science and, uh, compensation roles that are also critical to every business.
0: So Spencer what I just heard you say is pretty much any major can be connected to HR.
1: <laughs> it, it's a very broad field and it's an expanding field I'd say. Yeah. So yeah.
0: <laughs> I love that. Well and so let's let's dive a little bit deeper into your role. Okay, HR business partner, what the heck does that mean?
1: <laughs> yeah, so Some organizations use the title HR business partner to describe an HR generalist. Um, Other organizations use HR business partner to describe uh, sort of a step in between generalist and director where uh, you are interfacing with some of the higher levels of leadership. And then in some organizations, an HR business partner might just be their title for HR director. at my organization, HR Business Partner is someone that is still in that generalist field where I do a lot of problem solving, but I am operating at a higher level for the business where I'm mostly interacting with uh, directors and VPs, solving broader uh, problems that have more open-ended Uh, possible solutions and long-term projects uh, and strategic initiatives for the organization. So change management is a big part of my role.
0: That's super interesting. Well, and I'm curious, so with that, what are some of, I mean, you already kind of mentioned like that creative problem solving. What are some of the other skills you feel like you use maybe on like a daily-ish basis?
1: I, I would say if you plan on being uh in a role where you're going to be interacting a lot with people, um which I know you might be tempted to say any role in HRs can interact with people a lot. That's not necessarily true. Like an HR analyst or HRIS administrator, they may not, uh, but if you plan on being in a people-facing role, having high emotional intelligence and refined communication skills is going to be very very important. I would also say that any sort of mediation skills that you can develop can be really helpful because even at my level, I I may or may not have to mediate a conflict, but being able to help get people on on the same page and sort of merge their perspectives can be very helpful.
0: Absolutely. Yes. Yes. Okay. And that's making me wonder... So obviously every job has pros and cons, right? There are things we love, there are things that we love a lot less. And I'm curious for you, what has been maybe some of the most rewarding aspects of working in HR? And then maybe flip it for us and talk about some of the challenges.
1: Okay. Um, So like I mentioned in my role, I get to be involved in change management processes quite a bit. Uh, That could be on a scope anywhere from perhaps there's an employee that just feels like they need someone to support them and advocate for them to make some adjustments, uh, or it could go all the way to the other end of thing where uh, the other end of the spectrum where we're analyzing you know thousands of rows of data to provide insights to uh, organizational leaders that could have uh, impacts affecting thousands of employees across the organization. So there, there really is a broad spectrum of issues that, that you might uh, encounter. One thing that I would say, though, at the end of the day is that I enjoy being able to make a meaningful uh, impact on the organization's evolution.
0: Hmm. Talk to me more about that. What does that mean to you?
1: Uh, so, for example, we had um, this last year. Uh, a need to adapt to the changing talent market with how post COVID, there was a lot of it, there has there is a lot of inflation. And in order to be more competitive, we had to identify our, our roles that were uh, most critical to make some adjustments to the compensation. So, I and our compensation analyst partnered together to analyze all of the roles in the organization, um, which was no small undertaking. There was (laughs) hundreds of jobs where we were comparing our current employees wages to the market and then identifying where we fell on that market for not only each role, but each individual. And then we were creating broader recommendations where we were saying, okay, this job family or this department or this team, uh, we have high rates of attrition and we are uh, lower than we could be compared to market. Therefore, we're proposing that we do an X percent increase for these groups. And then it was up to the business leaders to take that insight and champion that, that change and convince the people that you know hold the wallet to mm-hmm. make that spend. And it's no small spend when you're talking about hundreds of employees making a 25 cent per hour raise could mean millions of dollars.
0: Right. Wow. Okay. So you get to feel and, and see the impact. And, and while you don't necessarily have um, you know, you're not holding the money to make those decisions you get to really influence a lot of those decisions, which is which is really cool. Um, okay. I love that. So, okay. Now flip it for me on the, the side of things that are maybe more of a challenge. What comes to mind there?
1: Yeah. I'm not going to lie. Um, in HR, you may encounter just some uncomfortable situations, um, especially if you are in that generalist field where you're an HR generalist, HR business partner, HR director. Um, Bad news is part of what we have to do sometimes, part of the job, Uh, whether that's helping a manager learn how to have an uncomfortable conversation with uh, people that aren't getting along, people that uh, might need to be let go. Um, It's just something that that happens uh i in my career have encountered a a couple of times where there were um some people in some pretty emotionally distressing situations mm-hmm. um or even potentially dangerous situations where i had to help facilitate a solution and that can be really hard to see you know a fellow human being in a really hard place
0: yeah absolutely that's a really good point and i and i appreciate you bringing that up um because oftentimes we think about hr and the, the positive things that it contributes which it absolutely does um but sometimes i think we do overlook the challenges and, and just like you outlined so i really appreciate that um that honest uh, insight there um shifting the conversation a little bit i'd like to zoom out a little bit from this particular job and and look at hr maybe a little bit more holistically um Obviously, we've seen a lot of changes in every industry during the pandemic, but I'm really curious from this human resources perspective, what have been some of the all I can think of is challenges, but but maybe there are some positive sides of COVID. I don't know. What what are some of the changes that you've really seen in this kind of industry or or sector?
1: So one thing that that's kind of interesting about the pandemic and how that's impacted things is we definitely had a lot of organizations be pressured to experiment with um, remote work and increased flexibility, which maybe they wouldn't have considered before. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Um, That influenced a lot of things. Uh, One of those is that I think it increased the demand for mid-career employees because they're a little bit more experienced and Uh, perhaps organizations felt like they had more confidence in them to accomplish the work with lower levels of management, um, less supervision. Um, Then during the pandemic, there was also a lot of people that I think were holding off on making career changes just because of all that economic uncertainty. So as things started to sort of Loosen up, we saw a lot of people changing jobs, and most of them were surprising. I guess it shouldn't be surprising, but in that mid career uh demographic. And the interesting thing about that is usually we would see more movement among the earlier career employees. Uh-huh. But because of that increased demand for the mid career, uh, I certainly think that there was i think a lot of people in those entry level positions that were just sort of sitting tight uh because there is that little bit of uncertainty that if they made a change would it be for their better or would they find something else mm-hmm. how long would it take and for similar reasons i think we saw less change more hesitation for people to move into the retirement space so there's been a a lot of change. I think also, sorry. No, you're good. One of the other things that I think has been interesting is things have been definitely, I think, shifting where people felt it. the recruiting space has been more pro-employee, pro-candidate. And I will be interested to see how it plays out over the next several years, if that pendulum is going to start swinging back towards the employer and how satisfied a lot of people will be with these changes that they've made during the great resignation.
0: Oh, such interesting insights, Spencer. And I'm curious from your perspective, what do you think the best companies are doing right now to either retain or attract uh, you know, people who, who want to stay with them? Like, What are some of those key indicators of a good company from your perspective?
1: Um. It's interesting because I think those are kind of two separate questions, what people are doing and what actually works. Mm. Um, I think a lot of companies are going pro-diversity. They're trying to increase their wages. They're trying to listen to their employees more and they're trying to be more flexible. Um, I think a lot of those are results of that pro-candidate, pro-employee sentiment. Mm -hmm. I do want... And this is why I say I'm curious as time goes on. I'm curious to see how much of that sticks. Um, I think that what actually is going to move the needle are things that are going to be helpful to the business to be productive and profitable at the same time uh, benefiting the employees. The things that are more pro-employee but less beneficial to the organization, I think, might peel off over time.
0: Yes, super interesting insights and things to think about. Um, I, so I have two, two more questions. I can't believe we, we are almost out of time here, but I have two questions that I would really love to ask you before we hop off the call today. And the first one is, again, thinking kind of big picture, what excites you about the future of human resources? What's, what's coming down the pipeline?
1: So I recently have been reading this book called range by generalist triumph in a specialized world it's by david epstein uh it's a really great book he makes a a comparison to it's called a, a centaur it's a it's a chess player that is a human combined with an ai chess player and the computer handles short term combinations of moves while the human evaluates outputs from machine from the machine and focuses on long-term strategy hmm. and one of the things that's interesting about that is that it sort of levels the playing field where uh people are able to focus on the long-term strategy and the skill set that a lot of grandmaster chess players focused on of short-term combination moves to Uh, win the game through a series of small skirmishes, it sort of phased out. And I think that we're seeing a similar thing happen in the workspace where as we become increasingly reliant on technology and the insights that they're able to produce and the tasks that they're able to automate, the transactional work is becoming much more efficient. And we're going to be focusing more on Uh, people that have those creative skill sets, those problem-solving skill sets, who are able to think strategically and see the big picture. uh, Because I think a lot of the smaller, not smaller, but the more transactional tasks are going to become increasingly automated over time.
0: Oh, I love this. And I want to carry that nugget with us to this final question, which is, if you could go back in time and give... 18-year-old Spencer, some career advice, especially knowing what you know now about how automation is, is starting to replace some of those transactional yeah. pieces. What advice would you give yourself?
1: Um, so Socrates, he said, to know thyself is the beginning of wisdom. So know what you want out of life and what you have to do to get it. Uh, I mean, it's not much good to be running 100 miles an hour sort of hustling in the wrong direction. So ask yourself, what is right and wrong for you? Um, only you can answer that, but know thyself. And if if you see things trending in the news, I know it can be tempting to say, you know, coding's the next big thing, learn that, or you're going to become obsolete, or this is the new hot career path. I mean, just because it is in the news today doesn't mean it will be tomorrow you do have to know, is that going to be a good fit for me long-term? Is that something that I can be successful at and be happy in? Um, you certainly want to take that um, that factor into account of how successful you can be at something and how profit it, profitable it will be, but also don't discount your own fit and happiness.
0: What a good note to end on. And, and I love this... I mean, in the Career uh, Design Center, we really call this like career exploration. And a part of that exploration is understanding yourself and what skills and interests and values do I bring to the table? And that's exactly what you just described. So a great note to end on here, Spencer. Thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to chat with us. i have so appreciated the conversation. No problem. We hope you loved this episode of the USU Career Studio Podcast. If you haven't already, make sure to subscribe and share this episode with your friends and family.